Hello and welcome back to another podcast. Today, uh, I'm here, Lena. <laughs> and I'm Lean. And we also have special guest back again, Lupe. Hello. <laughs> Big round of applause or Yay. mini round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we actually have Lupe back because um, she knows a little bit more about a subject that we were talking about earlier in our episodes, imposter syndrome. So if you've been listening to our earlier episodes or are an original fan <laughs> of the podcast, you'll know that we touched a little bit on this topic in um, our earlier episodes, but um, we did mention that we wanted to give it its own specific episode, um, just bringing in a little bit more facts and also someone who knows a little bit more about it than us or than me at least. And um, so that's what we're going to do today. So that is why we have Lupa here and um, she's going to help us unpack it a little bit more than what we did or what we the surface that we scratched earlier yeah so uh, I'm happy to be here again on the second time and just to be able to share a little bit of the research that I've done um, and again this is just intended to be a stimulating conversation and how do we think about the phrase that we use it if we do use it and ways that we can challenge some of the narratives I think that go around so um, casually and I think it's important for all of us to be aware of like mm-hmm. the phrases and the terms that we utilize and internalize. Mm-hmm. For sure. We can start it off by asking the main main question: What is imposter syndrome uh, <laughs> to you, or a real definition? Let's say. Yeah. So, a uh, real definition is that people with imposter syndrome struggle to believe that they are deserving of their achievements. Um, that they, in fact, are uh, intelligent and that they were able to have the competency to complete these achievements. Um, And they fear that they're going to be found out by people soon, so then they start feeling like a fraud, like this, possibly this has to be an error, you know, that Mm -hmm. mentality of like, this was by chance, this was by luck, this wasn't because I'm competent and I'm intelligent. So that imposter syndrome starts to manifest itself as, I shouldn't be here and I don't belong here and somebody's going to soon find me out. And so there's a sense of feeling like a fraud, essentially. Um, And then the imposter phenomena occurs when people, high achievers, um, are unable to internalize or accept their success. Mm -hmm. So it becomes problematic when there's a big group of people. Primarily, we see a lot of this um, being passed down or the narrative gets uh, imposed on women. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at some of the data on like women's conferences, a lot of the conferences have com- um, workshops on how to overcome imposter syndrome. And so that in itself, it's telling women the message of here's how to overcome it. Here's something that you probably have, or here's something that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I think is important is to know about what it is and how it's affecting us but also how to combat it and how to reverse the narrative. For sure. Um, A term you used to is like high achievers. Mm -hmm. A a question that I had, and I guess maybe there may not be a real answer for this, is are there certain people who are more susceptible to imposter syndrome? Because like you said, right, there are a lot of, um, I guess, like you were saying, narratives imposed on um, women mostly Mm -hmm. um, that we are you know, that we are expected to fill this, but are there people in general who um, are just more susceptible, not just gender-wise? 
Yeah, so its initial inception, the study came out in 1978 mm-hmm. uh, by Clance and Imes, and you can look at the, the article. It's available for, for people to read. And mm-hmm. so the study was conducted on 150 highly successful women who have earned PhDs who were either doctors and um, had very prestigious careers already established. Um, and so based on the study, then they identified that the women that identified with imposter syndrome fit into one of two categories. And um, one, the first category was that, for instance, if you come from a family who um, already has somebody who's intelligent and has already accomplished a lot of things, for instance, think about it as a sibling, right? Your sibling is doing all these amazing things. You, then you come in and that, that role is already fulfilled by your sibling. So no matter what you do, you're unable to fulfill the role of that sibling mm-hmm. because that role is already taken. So your achievements kind of get minimized and you don't have that validation that your other sibling already has because the family has already deemed that that role has already been taken place. And so then you start to internalize that imposter phenomenon of your achievements aren't as good mm-hmm. and they're not as highly valued. So it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to be able to get that validation. Then the other category was uh, when your family does validate you and says you're amazing, you could do all these incredible things, you're so intelligent, you're so smart and so brilliant, but you yourself don't feel that way. So because your family is constantly telling you and you're striving to live up to that expectation, there's also that category where it feels like I'm not good enough, I'm going to be found out, I'm, I'm a fraud, my family thinks I'm this, but I'm really not that great. Mm-hmm. So there's these two dynamic categories that were found in the study where you either fit into the category where everybody's praising you and telling you you're doing a great job, but you don't feel it. And then the other one is where that role is already being fulfilled by somebody else and you cannot live up to that expectation. So mm-hmm. I think besides the women that it gets put on, I think it's between those two categories from the studies and that I've read. For sure, that was a huge question I had, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting study that they did because even though it was, like you were saying, conducted on women, um, there are a lot of people out there with siblings who can probably um, relate to that feeling, and I definitely relate to that feeling. Yeah. And I've had conversations with my sibling who has said that she has related to that feeling being on one end and me on the other end. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really um, eye-opening that, you know, someone did a study and came to the conclusion of exactly how I feel, yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, it's very interesting. And here's the thing, I think that because there are these two categories, right, it it does make it very relatable. Mm -hmm. I think what stands out for me, though, is that the study was conducted on 150 highly achieving women with PhDs. Mm. And that, to me, I think already kind of eliminates such a big population of individuals who are utilizing the term right. So I think for us, the story might be a little different as well to say, like, maybe we do feel some sense of like seeking validation from family members or or people that are close to us and that's totally fine but i don't think that necessarily determines that we fall into the imposter phenomenon um from its initial inception it left out women of color it left out um you know first generation folks folks who come from immigrant parents if you're in the United States for the first time and you're having to learn a new language, Mm -hmm. the culture. So I think in that regard, its initial study left out those individuals. And so when it comes to us sharing our story, we're missing so much of that richness of like, 
hey, I'm having to learn what it's like to submit a FAFSA for the first time, what it's like to look at college applications for the first time. I don't have a parent or another uh, family member to tell me what it's like to go through the bachelor degree process, the going through college process, right? And I'm, my family and I are barely starting to build that. So I think in that regard, um, at least the studies have left out a big part of that. And now, yes, there are studies that do um, see where it applies to the student demographic now. But I just think the term for me um, comes from a deficit mind uh, way of thinking and internalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first episode that when we um, had you here, you also mentioned imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And you've done research on imposter syndrome. How did it come to you to start the research or what made you look into imposter syndrome as a word and get dive more deep into it? Um, I think because I just started to hear it a lot in my in my work setting and um, it became something that I was using for myself, right? And then when I started to go into um, my own personal uh, healing journey, I wanted to be mindful of the terminology and what mm-hmm. kind of narratives I was internalizing. And so I think when that word came up, it, for some reason, I don't know, it just spoke to me and I'm like, you know, what, what is imposter syndrome and where does it come from? And so I really just wanted to look into it to find its first study because I think also, honestly, I was looking for theoretical frameworks for my own dissertation purposes. Mm -hmm. And so I just did kind of like a big, broad spectrum, like overview of like, what does this term mean? What does this theoretical framework, what does this conceptual framework mean? Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of looking all over the place. And when I stumbled upon that study, I just felt that it was problematic um, in, in its first uh, application of it for the way that it was being used now. Also because I believe in the first study that they conducted, they talk about how um, there needs to be clinical diagnosis for it, and we're all kind of just throwing it around. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, maybe we should just inform folks what um, this means so that you know we can be mindful of how we're utilizing it in our lives and mm-hmm. what that's doing to our internal narrative as well. For sure. And I mean, thank you, too, because I feel like we do need people in this world who are like, you know, curious and also, you know, question those things. Like, why is this the way that we think about something and why are we comfortable using this term so often to describe ourselves when it is a deficit mindset? Mm-hmm. Like when you said that, I was like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, like you are kind of putting yourself down or at least for me in my case, like when I use it, like it does put me in that mindset of being like, oh, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. There's a word for this. I, that applies to me like I'm just gonna fall into this category yeah. and then it's like I look at the check marks I'm like I feel that I feel that I feel that I feel that mm-hmm. but am I really feeling it or am I like am I ex- like just feeling like I'm expected to yeah mm-hmm. right and I think that's so powerful that now you're getting to see that mm-hmm. and hopefully moving forward going into your career when you get your first job especially going into the field that you all are going into and it's such a competitive field of engineering right mm-hmm. it's um, it's incredible. So go in there with confidence, with power, mm-hmm. with authority, with like, yes, I put in the work and I deserve this. I'm speaking from a place of abundance versus like this narrative or I think any of our intrusive thoughts need could be stopped, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, when that thought comes in, how do I counter it with a positive thought? And what does that look like for me? Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
I definitely agree with what you said, Lena, too. Like, you just see the, the list of what imposter syndrome is, and are like, oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> um, so it's, like, having this talk is really eye-opening on how it first came to start and then how it's going with the years and the different research that has been conducted to begin with and how it's going so far. And going based on that, do you feel that there are some misconceptions about imposter syndrome that might be harmful um, a bit more in depth? Misconceptions. Mm -hmm. I think just... Just that kind of how uh, Lena was saying that, like, when you first saw it, you're like, oh, these check marks, right? Mm -hmm. And students or folks internalizing that and then feeling like, oh, because I feel like this, I'm going to ask in the professional setting or to industry professionals how they have overcome imposter syndrome. Because I think we were at a conference not too long ago, and um, I remember they had asked at one of the panels, somebody asked how they overcame imposter syndrome. And it's it's become very common. And I, so I think that a misconception is that because you feel like the check marks fill in, that it's okay to talk about it in that space. Um, and so I think in that regard, it's important to acknowledge that there's going to be a learning curve at whatever job you go, at whatever career, whatever, there's going to be a transition phase mm-hmm. at whatever new endeavor you take on, whatever new, um, wherever life takes you. There's always going to be an adjustment period. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that as you go through those, um, to validate yourself and your previous accomplishments so that you don't begin to internalize and revert back to the imposter syndrome. So kind of going back to that is that I think a misconception was that it was it's okay to just talk about it. Um, and I think that sends a message to the professionals or to your career or to your colleagues or to other folks of like, oh, this person doesn't feel like they belong here, right? And I think that in itself is setting, you're kind of doing a disservice to yourself because then you're not acknowledging what you do bring to the table. And while it may not be exactly the replica of what somebody else brings, and maybe you know somebody else on your team is incredible at, um, I don't know, delegating, right? And you admire their, their skills on how they delegate. And that's something that perhaps you don't know how to quite navigate yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to work, 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 work to get up to that. Yes, you may be able to train yourself and be able to build that skill um, but also acknowledge what qualities you bring to the table and how different it is right and I think that's where the team dynamics is important because then you can play off each other's strengths so it's also important to know yourself so you know where you are really really good at and what are some opportunities of growth for you and how you're going to be able to navigate these spaces so that you don't set yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. but instead you come in with that confidence of here's what I'm bringing here's what I offer and then your team also knows what spaces to fill in and hopefully if you have a good Mm -hmm. leader they'll be able to determine too as well who has what competencies and how they're going to play off of each other Mm -hmm. yeah I think the team the the formation of the team and the group really helps make it the best because I can come in with 
different skills that I personally have, and I know I am not strong at other skills, but if my team, if I know my other team member has them, we can really go back and forth with those skills and help make the project. Like I'm working on scene design, I'm like I know my skills, you know your skills, and <laughs> knowing knowing that really helps make the project come along better and give you the better final result at that point. So, just picking back on what you said, um, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that part. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and when you were um, when you were kind of describing it too, is people feel like they're not good enough, and it feels a lot like comparing too, especially going back mm-hmm. to the study, like comparing yourself to a sibling or you know the role's been fulfilled by somebody else. It does feel like maybe these days, like it, it is easier to start comparing yourself, especially with like, I mean, it's not like social media hasn't been around for a long time, but like <laughs> it, it it's very easy to like get stuck in that. And that's why I got off of it too, because it is so like. As a transfer student too, not, I guess, to stray away from the term, like I was comparing myself a lot to other transfers and it did make me feel like, am I behind? Am I not on track? Mm-hmm. Is like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, should I not be here? Or should I have gone to a university? Like just making me rethink a lot of things. And so I guess too, a question that I have is, is imposter syndrome a term to, I guess, just to label a way that we're feeling because like, I feel like sometimes, too, like, I feel like, okay, I'm feeling a certain way. What is this? Like, I need to figure it out. Like, I need to, like, and I feel like that's how I kind of found the term imposter syndrome mm. or, like, related to it at first because it was, like, oh, there's a label. Like, I can relate to that. I don't have to really think too much about it. Like, this is the thing. I can look up how to d- defeat this, and there's, like, a thousand <laughs> articles on it. Mm-hmm. So is it something to make us more um, comfortable, I guess, or what should someone who, I guess, has not been clinically diagnosed or... Um, I guess what should should we have something to call it or are we just looking for comfort in the the term yeah I think there is comfort in it right and Mm -hmm. I think it's also kind of like a sense of community because it's like oh I feel like that too Mm -hmm. let's bond over this Mm -hmm. and so there's also that level of like connection with others and I think in that space we're also in our just natural human state looking for connection so when that arises, we're looking for a way to make sense of the way that we're feeling, give it a label, give it a name, and be able to, uh, our mind logically lo- likes a complete story. Mm-hmm. So if we live it unfulfilled, it's kind of how you were saying, we're constantly in search of what is this? What am I feeling? How do I get through this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's natural. It's a natural way to feel. And like I said, I, I felt that way um, some years ago, and I definitely can relate to that feeling of oh my gosh why do I feel this way but I think once I started to go deeper into myself and who I am and what I bring and what I don't bring I think that's I I feel like I sound like a broken record at at this point but it's so important to get to know yourself on such a deeper level because then when these feelings I think that the feelings that you're talking about and the way that they arise it's your body telling you that you need to know more about who you are and how to be able to have coping mechanisms for when you do feel this way, you know how to address them, you know where they stem from, you know the root cause. Mm -hmm. And so the transition period of going from like high school into college, there's a lot of development that goes on cognitively still, right? So in that transition phase, you're also getting to know yourself a little bit more. So I think tapping more into that of like, okay, you know, let's unpack this a little bit more mm-hmm. and let's think about it logically. Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling this way? Where does this come from? Mm-hmm. Right? You got through class, you're able to 
comprehend, you're able to submit your assignments, you're able to perform well, right, you're doing a good job. Like, let's keep this going. Let's keep mm -hmm. this momentum going. You want to get involved in student organizations. You want to build your portfolio, your resume. You're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So in those moments, it's kind of like leaning into what you're working on and how you're able to accomplish those so that you can begin to validate yourself instead of tapping more and giving more of your energy to the fact of like, oh my gosh, why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling like I don't belong here? Like I'm in this classroom of, you know, all these students and they're top performing students, but you are too. We, we all are, right? We're all in a sense fighting, showing up every day, putting in the work, it's gonna look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And I think sometimes it's um, it might also go back to the fact that we don't uh, show we don't give credit to the small things that we do, mm -hmm. and those small things actually give you the end goal that you're working mm -hmm. towards. And it's just that we're minimizing those, but we're forgetting that those small things are actually what is leading you to whatever you really want. Um, uh, whether you did a midterm. You finished an assignment. You doing all of these and end up having you pass a class. Passing a class means you're closer towards getting your goal. And I guess when we don't appreciate those little things, we kind of lose meaning of what we're really doing. We're just like, this is so long, it's taking forever, and mm -hmm. um, might not help um, with how we're feeling towards what we're actually doing too. And it mm -hmm. might give us that feeling that oh, we're not doing enough. Am I enough? And going back to like the whole imposter or um. yeah no Brene Brown has this phenomenal quote um, and it's something along the lines of don't go if you go I'm gonna butcher this completely but something <laughs> along the lines of like if you go around and look for the world to seek that you're not enough you're always gonna find that you're not enough mm -hmm. so if that's kind of your mentality of like Oh, I'm not enough. What does that look like, right? I'm doing all this work, but it's still not enough. You're going to continue to feel those feelings of not being enough. Mm -hmm. So when I heard her say that, and please look it up because I know I completely, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brene. Um, <laughs> I love her work, but um, I think it's important to acknowledge, again, the way that we internalize what we're speaking into our lives. And like I said in the previous podcast, once I started to learn more about what this imposter phenomenon, imposter syndrome uh, consisted of, and I made a decision to not use that in association with myself and how I was feeling, but instead tapping into, I'm giving what I can, here's what I have, here's what I know, here's what I can offer, and that mentality of, I'm coming from a different perspective and that's okay. I don't have to live up to, you know, um, feeling like I need to have all the answers and I need to know how to do everything. Mm -hmm. That's when I really felt like uh, empowered, but also I think it was more of like a uh, transition of, yes, I deserve what I have right now. Definitely. And our final question of today's podcast, if you could go back to a time where you felt you didn't belong or you were underqualified for something, in that moment that you felt that way, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself if you could? Um, 
I mean, I would probably try to give myself a little bit of grace and kindness and that um, understanding that most likely was attributed to um, a learning situation. And so just trying to find a way to gain more knowledge in that area and whatever I was not feeling confident in or not capable of is what do I have access within uh, within my means to be able to look for more answers, to gain more knowledge, to do my part and my due diligence. Mm -hmm. And then I think also talking it out with loved ones or my community, friends and folks who are here to support me, right? So that I also have that sense of support and that I'm not on this journey by myself, which I think can be very isolating if we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would probably do those two things is try to find more answers and look for ways that I have control over the situation and how I can contribute to my growth and learning and then surround myself with community so that I also have um, that external validation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. It was really an eye-opener about the topic. I think it's going to benefit a lot of people who, who are going to listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and just you sharing all this information with us is truly amazing um and i guess by this we can end it by saying take it day by day (laughs) (laughs) and have a wonderful um rest of your day thank you